God. Hallelujah. There's no one like you, no one beside you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, God. You worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, in the um, ancient times, which that can mean anything now, but thousands of years ago, nations had gods that they worshipped, and they are, most of them, I think all of them were uh, polytheists, meaning they had more than one god. Israel stood apart because it was uh, monotheist, they only had one god. And so that, just by that, they stood out from the rest of the, the world. Uh, but in the polytheistic nations, many gods, they had different rankings, different names for gods. This god would do this, was over this, this god was over, over that. And um, there were different levels of power. And so when this god wouldn't work out, you would call on the higher god. And when that one ran out of batteries, they would call on the bigger god, the one after the thought in their minds. But the blessed thing is, is that when there's only one god, he's all-powerful, isn't he? He controls everything, the wind, the seas, the world. Everything is in his hands, and we know the name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We know the name of Jesus. Everything is going to bow. Things in heaven, on the earth, and things under the earth. Every single thing that has ever existed will bow to the greatest name ever, and that is the name of Jesus. We're blessed that we can call upon that name right now. We're blessed that we know not just the name, but we know him. We walk with him. We feel his presence, and he lives inside of us. And, man, we are a blessed people to know the name of Jesus and the power that it holds. Amen. And uh, it is a transforming power that has transformed you and I from who we used to be to who we are today. And is still transforming us to who he wants us to be tomorrow and, and next year. Amen, and um, he doesn't want that power just to bottle up inside, but he wants us to share that power. He gives us the power to be a witness, amen, talking about the name of Jesus and sharing our testimony, because he wants others to experience it just like you and I have. Amen, and so we want to be vessels that God can flow through, amen, and we're here to worship him, to lift him up, amen, because he's good, isn't he? So good to see everyone here tonight to worship the Lord together. Amen. We want a few announcements. Thank you for your continued giving to the kingdom. Amen. And um, next Saturday, not this Saturday, but the 24th, we're having a men's outing, uh, battle axes and barbecue, um, seeing who can be the best axe thrower among us and uh, wear that badge proudly. I'm sure we'll never hear the end of it, whoever it is. Until the next time, and then you have to uh, defend your title, I guess. Amen. And so we're excited about that. Five o'clock, uh, please bring $5 for some barbecue, cheapest barbecue in town, I guess. And for a good time of fellowship, amen, with the men of God. Amen. We can know that God's got great things through the men and through the women. Amen. When we all come together, we're one powerful body, aren't we? Amen. It's so good to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. The kids' church can be dismissed. Amen. We're going to have our young minister come up, brother. Andy Galan, if you want to come up, he's, uh, he looks uh, older than he is young, but uh, that's seasoned with grace and wisdom, amen, so let's, uh, let's get behind him tonight. Thank you, Pastor Locke. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. God is good. 
I hope somebody prayed for me today. <laughs> and I mean that. Praise God. All right. So if we'd open up our, uh, I'm sorry, uh, our Bibles to James 5.16 through 18. That's, that's going to be our beginning verse. And uh, if you don't have it, you can always look up on the screen. They, they put it up here for us. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Let's pray. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, today for bringing us here, Lord God, to hear your word, that you would expound on your word, Lord, and that you would speak, Lord, to your mouthpieces, Lord, that you would be blessed and glorified in all that is said, Lord, to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. All right. So you may be seated. Okay, the title of my message is, Do You Hear or Do You Have Your Father's Ear? And in this is kind of a kind of an oxymoron, I, sh I should say. The statement of having your father's ear by genetics is not necessarily what I'm referring to. Uh, but the thought that I would like you to focus on is, does your heavenly father hear your voice? Prayer. What is really prayer? It is our communication with God, whether in spirit, speaking in tongues, or in our not natural state of mind while speaking the language we understand. Even so, we find scripture that we should pray, that we should pray for one another, that we should pray for our needs, pray for the will of God, and that we should pray in giving thanks for what we eat and drink. I believe it becomes a natural thing for those who have given their lives to God in such a way that everything in life now revolves around Him like it does in our prayer. And in no way, shape, or form do I mean that you have no connection with God if this statement doesn't relate to you. The Word of God tells us to live by faith and not by sight. And if we walk in faith and live by faith, then we live by what we believe. Many of us have heard the quote, uh, or maybe even used it, don't just talk about it, but be about it. Know the Word of God. Now the Word of God tells us faith without works is dead. And, just, and the just will live by faith, and then also without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now we see is uh, in the book of James, if we take a step back and see it as if he was really here, what he would say, he says, confess your faults one to another. Now what do you mean, what do you mean, Brother James? And I'm just saying this because he's here, right? Uh, I believe James is more than likely referring to talking to someone uh, who, who you are closely knit with, someone you can trust that will keep your information confidential, but at the same time hold you accountable. Accountability is important. He goes on to say, and pray one for another that you may be healed. In earlier verses of this chapter, he's talking about praying uh, for the sick. He's talking about Job. Uh, he is covered in boils. He's mentioned the prophets go through suffering. And a lot of us have read what happened to Elijah, Jeremiah. All these prophets have gone through, uh, through torture. They were, some of them were severed. Some of them were put, beaten, and so forth. So there's no, uh, there was no comfort in that, but they had God and his voice. 
And then he says, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. James is saying, oh yeah, and when you pray, make sure you're doing it knowing there's going to be change, meaning effectual. Make sure it's also fervent. Strong's Concordant defines it, be mighty in show forth self-work, effectually in. Meaning, get into the spirit because you have to go boldly before the throne of glory. It is not easy to get there unless you've been through it before. Also, make sure you're feeling it in your gut. And many of us will say, well, what do you mean in our gut? Is to stay there. When you feel that you're in the spirit, you've got to stay there a bit. You can't just walk into it and walk back out. You've got to really dig deep. And if you, once you start to feel the movement of the spirit, it says connect your heart and to your thoughts. Pray so that when the breakthrough happens that there is going to be a remnant of it remaining long after you go. But not long after you go, but also thrown forth to the what it is that you want or what you're asking of the Lord to do if it is within his will. Now, before you go on doing these things, Brother James goes on to say, make sure that all things are right in your mind and in your heart. He mentions the fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now, listen, get these things right before you get into the work. This is him speaking, Refer to prayer, re- referring to prayer if you haven't yet. Otherwise, you're never going to get through. James was referring to Elias as he being uh, a man subject to like passions as we are. So we as human beings can kind of relate to that. He was, a ju- he was just as a human as we are. He made mistakes. He was wanting to be left alone at times and even went as far as to avoid death by fleeing from Jezebel, uh, who he kill- whose prop- uh, false prophets he killed. We, in the same token, want things to go our way just as some of the prophets did, but hearing yet we need to heed, heed to the voice of God. But we know that this not always is the case with God. Note, I heard a preacher say that if God withheld something you prayed for, it was because his mercy was upon you. His mercies are to protect you from something that could be unfavorable in your life for his kingdom. And if God gave you something you prayed for, it's because his grace is upon you. And he gives it not because you earned it, but because he finds it to be favorable to help you in your life of ministry for the kingdom. Glory to the Lord. Amen. And then back to James. He's talking, he, start, he goes back to talking about confessing uh, our faults that we may be healed. And so, in doing so, he met, also mentions Elijah. I'm coming back to that. Praying about the rain, how he stopped it and how he made it come back in three years and a half. So James paints a picture about praying with faith. That will cause change not only spiritually but also physically. So to live by faith is just in the eyes of God. Meaning, therefore, when you ask of things, God gives them even when it is of your own desire. If it will not affect your walk with God and is in his will. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. This is just a side note to keep in the back of your mind. Anytime someone speaks who is filled with, someone who speaks who is filled with the Holy Ghost is already praying without really even thinking about it. I believe, uh, and, I, and this is because I believe it it's comes from a righteous soul that desires to pray. Some of the examples you probably have heard, oh Lord, help me. Or God, I need your strength. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've said these statements when I tried, when I'm tired, or, I re, or, I'm, or I'm confused. Then all of a sudden, just speaking them, fatigue is gone, and so is my confusion. And then it dawns on me that I just prayed it, and I finish it with 
thank you, Jesus. Just speaking it sometimes into the air causes a change without even you thinking about it. And the word says that God knows what we need before we even ask of it. Amen. And I'm just going to elaborate a little bit on a, uh, how I've elaborated how to hear the voice, but not necessarily how the Lord, uh, I should say I heard his voice. And uh, needless to say, it, it wasn't scripture per se. It wasn't from someone who walked me through life. It happened to be someone who's, who wrote a book, and I grew interested in it. And uh, you may, many of you might know uh, John Arcovio, and it was a discerning of spirits, I believe it's what it's called. And I remember in, uh, there was chapter 3 or 4, it was way, way past the front. And uh, he said that in order to hear the voice of God, there had to be a pause. There has to be a desire of the heart to go into that special place where God dwells and then to be able to come before his throne of glory. And he won't, God will not always answer you or reach out and put his hand upon you. But he waits for those who wait upon him. So I went from day one. I remember going into my bedroom and I said, Lord, I'm waiting for you. I laid in my bed. I passed out. And I've told you, I've shared this with a few of you guys. So we can relate to that. Day two, I come home from work. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm praying and I'm there. Same thing, I pass out. I said, okay, Lord, well, maybe it's all in the back of my mind. But sometimes God wants you to wait on him. And if you wait on him, trust me when I tell you he's going to show up. Day three. This is the one that really, really uh, shipped my life. Uh, one of the most, uh, but I, I received the Holy Ghost before this. But there's a difference when God fills you with the Holy Ghost than when you go spend time with him. See, he already gave you the gift. And now he's saying, come spend some time with me. And I went into that place, and I remember. I remember coming home from work. I was tired. My wife was teaching the kids. I walked through the living room. I walked down this little hall that we used to have. And I opened the door. The, the lights are off. I walk in halfway into the room. I turn back around, and I feel something, but I don't quite recognize what it is. And I'm thinking, what is this? I don't know. I walked all the way back out, and then I remembered. I had been waiting on the Lord, day three. What an experience. To step into the glory of God and to, to know that it's already there. All he did was open it up for me. He knew that I was waiting. In the same way, we can do these things. You know, he says if we come to him, then he is good. He is good to receive us. He is good to, to, to hear our cries, to, to the things that we, we need and desire of him. So I come into his presence my wife is teaching, I am lost in the spirit, and I am crying out, Lord Jesus, I'm glad. And, and then at times, you know, I'm crying and I'm weeping, and in and, and, and light voices, he, and if nobody's ever experienced this, sometimes God will joke with you. He'll mess with you. Not that he's lying to you, but he says, hey, I had you waiting. You know that, right? I said, Lord, I know you did. He said, well, I was here the entire time. I watched you. God is watching us every moment of our lives it's, it's recorded. It's recorded. We walk in the spirit. We, we speak in tongues. And when we walk and we're filled with the Holy Ghost, do you know that you can literally pray when you walk through a place, don't even know it, and you're thanking Jesus, Lord God, I thank you for the things that you've done in my life. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give me a say. This thing just turned off. I spoke too long. All right. Okay, and just... And just the, just the last few notes. The physical must be submitted, which is your flesh, before the spiritual can do anything which is God. 
We should know that God desires for us to, for us to communicate with him as often as possible because he always, he's always with us. I wonder if some of us, when we're alone, do we think about it? Often I think that God wants us to have a conversation with him. And I'm not only talking about our problems, but on what, but what he would like to do in our plans, in our future for his kingdom. I hope God blessed you with this word. Pastor Locke, you can come over and take this pulpit, brother. Thanks, Brother Andy. Man, this, this microphone feels a little warm. Warm it up. Man, I appreciate that word. Amen. Um, where would we be without God? You know, and, um, you know, prayer is, uh, as he said, it's talking to God. But if you want to hear the voice of God, sometimes we got to stop talking. Sometimes we just, we step into the moment, our, our prayer time, and we, we talk the whole time, and then we walk out and say, well, you know, didn't hear anything. Well, we stopped talking at all. You know, you don't hear anything. You don't hear anything when you're talking to your spouse the whole time, and they don't have a chance to respond. Amen. So that's uh, you know, that's just growing in the Lord. And uh, so I think I need to move on. <laughs> Ephesians, uh, the third chapter. It's gonna be a quiet ride home, or, or one person's gonna be doing all the talking. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, we're continuing on, part 3 of our series of the great mystery. The word of the Lord says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known uh, by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Amen. So we've been going uh, under the clouds, if you will, uh, under the clouds discovering what is this mystery that God had hidden for nearly 4,000 years. And it was all uh, revealed to the world on the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit of God came down as a rushing mighty wind and filled that upper room and thus began the age of the church, the mystery was brought to life with the infilling of the Spirit of God. And uh, the dispensation of grace where anyone who believed can come into this uh, salvation, not just the Jews that had been going on, that salvation was... uh, preferenced and given to first, but now anybody, anyone, anyone who all is willing can come into the church. All people of all nations were invited to partake in the precious gift of salvation that God provided through his death. And once the 120 believers were endowed with the power from on high, Peter stands up And he extends the invitation to anyone who was listening, anyone who was hungry out there, outside in the streets of Jerusalem, uh, because Peter understood that this mystery, this promise was not just for those that believed in an upper room, but it wanted to go farther than what up the upstairs. Can you imagine, had Peter not extended the invitation, then the church would have died when the 120 died out. 
But in order for the church to grow on, and the purpose of the church was, hey, I've given you power to be a witness. And so Peter stood up and says, hey, I've got to let this thing out. God filled me. God changed me. He transformed me. And he wants to do that for somebody else. And so Peter stands up and extends the invitation to all those that were in Jerusalem. Bible tells us that 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. That very day, the mystery of God has been growing ever since and has not stopped. And what we have witnessed over the, the last two weeks is how this mystery aligns with or fits right inside these gaps of time that we found in Scripture, how the church is lying right there underneath the clouds that the Old Testament could not see, the prophets could not see. The first we talked about was Isaiah 9-6 with the Messiah being born and the gap between him and uh, being born and him assuming the throne uh, of David which hasn't happened yet and it's still uh, waiting for that to transpire over 2,000 years. And last week we just talked about the time period that Daniel was given by God for telling the remaining time that the nation of Israel had until he said everlasting righteousness would be brought in and would reign on the earth. And so we found that gap of time between the 69th week and the last week, the 70th week that was given. Because once the Messiah was killed, at the end of the 69th week, Israel killed their Messiah. God hit pause on Israel's clock, and he didn't let the 70th week play out, not just yet, because what had happened after Jesus was killed was the mystery was now being revealed. Uh, and I believe that once God's plan is finished with the church, that he will once again turn his attention back to the nation of Israel for that last and final week that he told them that they were going to have. Seventy weeks are for you and your people. And so since Israel is moving along today and getting closer, ever so close to building that temple again, what will be the sign that the mystery, the church, the bride of Christ, what will be the time, the sign that this church's time is complete? Well, that would be, obviously, the rapture of the church. What other way could you close a door on that one plan than to just physically, boom, remove them out of the, remove them out of the earth? I mean, talk about game over, boom, church is gone. What's next? What's left is the nation of Israel. And so the rapture of the church, the bride of Christ, Paul calls uh, that uh, a mystery, but he also uh, says uh, there's another mystery that is happening, and we referenced it last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. This is not the mystery of the church that he talked about and revealed. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. It must happen because he said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So a change must take place if we are to go into the kingdom of God, and therefore corruption will put on incorruption, and mortal will put on immortality. And so now that God revealed... Now that God revealed the mystery of the church to the whole world, Paul introduces another mystery that God had shown and revealed to him. And this mystery that Paul is now talking about is the rapture of the church. In a moment, in a blink, in a twinkling of an eye, millions upon millions of people will disappear from this earth. Talk about a mystery. And the people that are left behind will be wondering, what happened? Where did everybody go? Well, that is no mystery because the church, the bride of Christ, went to be with Christ in heaven. But it will be a mystery to those who have no idea what's, what, what just transpired. Paul knows this, uh, that we will be in heaven. Uh, and we know this too. And so what is the mystery then? That he is referring to. What is the mystery of the rapture? Well, I'm not sure if I can read the mind of Paul, but I think the mystery can be one of two things, or maybe even both of them. The first thing that Paul says regarding the mystery is he says, We shall not all sleep. We shall not all sleep. Well, he ain't talking about physical sleep because we all sleep. As Brother Andy talked about waiting on the Lord, he slept. We all sleep, and we don't get enough sleep. At least that's what we drag around the house saying we need to go back to bed. But sleep here is obviously referring to death, sleeping in the grave. Now the saying, we shall not all sleep, means that there will be people that will not die, They will not see death. They will miss out on that part of life. They will not pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Why is that a mystery? Because Hebrews tells us that, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Mankind, when we are born... An appointment is made for you with death. It is appointed to men once to die. We are appointed to die. If you're, if, you're, if you're alive, guess what? You have a rendezvous with death. There is nothing that you can do about it. This appointment is a guaranteed appointment, and it's final No getting out of that appointment. No calling in sick doctors. Sorry, can't make it that day. We'll have to reschedule. No rescheduling death's appointment. The one that God makes with your soul and your body. And so that is one appointment that you will be on time for. Is the appointment with death. Now there are only two people in scripture who have seemed to have already missed this appointment. First one we can look into is the man by the name Enoch. Genesis 5, 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Just took him. A mystery. 
Where did he not go? He was walking here once day, and now there's just a pile of clothes left behind. Where did he not go? The man just disappeared because God just took him. The other man, Elijah, we are told when the chariots of fire came down and they just swept him up, swept him away from Elisha's side and carried Elijah into heaven. A mystery that, that's a real mystery there. Chariots of fire taking him out of here. These men walked so closely with God that God said, I'm going to cancel that appointment that you had with death. And God's the only one that can cancel that appointment. And you can just come up here and be with me because you, we spend so much time together as it is. Why don't you just come up here and be with me so I don't have to keep coming down to you. You come up to my house and just be with me. And so when, G, when God did that, he just erased that appointment that they had with death. It's fascinating. What a mystery to be able to escape death. And Paul says that we shall not all sleep. This privilege, though, will be only available, will be only given to a particular group of people. The saints of God in the last days will be given this privilege to not sleep, to miss out on death. No other saints of God besides the two that we mentioned But no other saints of God will be given this privilege to say, hey, you don't have to die. You don't have to pass through that valley of the shadow of death. Uh, No other saints will benefit from this mystery, just those that are walking with God in the last days. Uh, And then in a blink, in a twinkling of an eye, we are gone from this earth. And you'll open your eyes after that blink and you'll be walking on streets of gold. You'll be, you'll be walking uh, in heaven, passing through heaven's pearly gates in a mad, just a blink. You'll be standing here and then all of a sudden the scenery is going to change. And everything's going to be different. Your body's going to be different. Everything you see will be changed. It'll happen that quick. And what a day that's going to be. And I believe that we are... At that doorstep. Don't you think that having that privilege available to you, if we truly are the saints of the last days, if this privilege to partake in this mystery God is giving to this, this generation that will be alive at his, uh, at the rapture, don't you think that you'll be able to endure through whatever comes your way? Whatever hardships come into your life, if you just keep your eyes focused on God and says, uh, I'm a saint of the last, of the most high God, I'm here in these last days. Uh, It says, we shall not all sleep. I'm holding on to that promise. And so it doesn't matter what's happening, what goes on in my life. God has given us a promise that we shall not all sleep. And so if that can happen, surely I can make it through my trial, my tribulation. That's not going to get the best of me because I I put in my faith in God, no matter how bad things get, there is an opportunity that awaits us to partake in this mystery of escaping death. Now, obviously, depending how long the Lord decides to tarry, it may not be our generation. We may be the one, we may, we may face the grave. Uh, the way things are looking, I, I'm surprised the rapture hasn't already happened. 
But uh, maybe God's extending grace and waiting for somebody to get their act together before he blows that trumpet. And thank God for his grace, huh? Thank God that that didn't happen before we got our lives together. And we are being lukewarm in our walk with God that God says, I'm holding out. I'm waiting for these people to get in. Uh, and so now is not the time to become lukewarm, but now's the time to draw even closer to God because only those that are walking by, side by side with God are going to hear his voice, are going to hear that trumpet, are going to be partakers of that rapture of the church because God's not taking anybody to heaven who's not walking with him now. God's not taking any strangers up there because stranger danger, no strangers in heaven. God knows everybody because he's walking with, them, with us down here now. Uh, and so if we are the ones that will be caught away and will not sleep, then that, then that means we are living an eternal life right now because it could just be one blink away and, and eternity starts. And if we're, if we're the ones that are blessed to skip out on death, then eternity starts right now. We're living an eternal life. And we know, we know that still happens even if we do pass through the grave because uh, uh, to be absent in body is to be present with the Lord. And so either way, uh, eternity is now. Eternity is now, whether you're living for God or not. If you're not living for God and you die, guess what? You still wake up on the other side. You're not going to a soul sleep or you're not just being abolished and, and disappear in, in the next life. Uh, everyone is going to wake up. Uh, blink their eyes, and they will be in eternity. And so I want to make sure eternity for uh, me and you and I is a good place. Amen? And that comes by walking with God and knowing Him. And so I think that's the first part of the mystery that, that Paul's referencing, that we shall not all sleep, that there's going to be a lot of people missing out on death. And the Grim Reaper is going to be mad because he's going to lose his bonus when millions of people skip out on his uh, appointment. Uh, and so I think the other, uh, the other mystery or the other part of the mystery of the rapture that Paul talks about is the change that takes place in our physical bodies. That this carnal, this rotten, corrupt body of skin cells that we are war, at war with uh, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, our bodies are going to be transformed and we're going to get a new body. Bless God for that. Bless God for that. We're going to get an eternal body, a one that is not corrupted, but one that is incorruptible, a perfect body. Uh, and so that is something else to look forward to. And so that's why I'm not spending any more money on a gym membership. Or I'm not getting lured into some home gym where you the easy payment plan of six easy payments. I'm not doing that anymore. I got a new body on layaway, and I'm waiting for that. So give me another tub of ice cream while I'm waiting for it. Amen. So the mystery is, is that this corruptible flesh, just in a blink of an eye, just going to be a, a made and transformed into a perfect body, a resurrected body. Uh, and we'll see Jesus as he is. Aren't you thankful for that? 1 Thessalonians 4.15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a, the voice of the archangel, 
and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with those words. That's, those are some comforting words, aren't they? Comforting words, we'll just be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and uh, we'll meet the dead in Christ uh, on the way up. Amen. And so the rapture of the church is meant to be a comfort for one another. When the times get hard and, and tough around you and the world gets darker by the day and uh, the people in the last days are seeing things going from bad to worse and it seems like the societies in this world are is corrupted with evil from the top to the bottom and is falling apart at the seams. For the church, for the saints of God, we are to comfort one another with the news of the rapture that is that our time is near, that the return of Jesus Christ is ever so close. And so the world can drive off into a bottomless pit if it wants to, but the, the bride of Christ will be mysteriously taken out of the world before that train runs off the tracks. The thought of that brings comfort to my soul that we're going to be raptured out of here before it gets even worse. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I know that we have that promise in Scripture that will be taken out of here. But the comfort of the rapture is only a comfort if you will be taken out before the tribulation begins. Now, there are different beliefs on when the rapture takes place. You got the pre-trib pre-trib before, before things get bad, pre-trib, mid-trib, in the middle of it, and post-trib, obviously asked at the end of the tribulation. And so um, I begin to wonder and question, how is the rapture a comfort for